Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Ah, excellent. Today is Tuesday, April 12th. 4-12-2022. And it's, um, I'm looking at my thermometer and it's actually showing 52 degrees out there, which means I could be going outside. I don't know why I'm like not moving out to the Great Barber. The, the wind is cold. I think that's part of it. Uh, but there we are. So, um, update on the, uh, laptop screen watermark. I'm sure you're all on tenterhooks to know, but I think it's decreasing. Uh, if I wanted to risk it, I would trace an outline. That would be the scientific thing to do, right? Trace an outline so I could see if the borders are actually moving, but, um, I'm not willing to risk it cause I don't want to mess up my touch screen. So I'm just, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what that was, a little bit of frogginess. But um, yeah, it's um I think it's I think it's different today. I think it's the borders are receding and I think there's more open patches in the middle. So cross our fingers that maybe I didn't fuck it up forever. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to listen to yesterday's podcast and get the whole story of uh, Jeffy's carelessness. Although this is, it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. So I'm counting my blessings. Actually, today is a counting blessings kind of day. It feels like a good day. Um, saw Bobcat this morning, young female. These, these Bobcats have this sense to them that they seem to me like they're smiling. Um, you know, she comes, I saw her as I was lifting weights, saw her out the bedroom window and called David and we watched her come around and she drank from the fountain and, um, and she glances up now and then and kind of has this look on her face. Like it's a great world. It's a beautiful morning. I swear she's smiling you guys. And, um, I was, uh, dancing around to Taylor Swift's. I think he knows really love that song. There are a lot of songs on lover that I really like. And I almost feel like we, like lover kind of got a little bit lost in the wash. Maybe that's just me, but, um, what year did that come out? 2018. Yeah, that's why it was 2019, August of 2019. So we only got to enjoy enjoy it for, I mean, I guess it was a good six months before pandemic kicked in, but I don't know. It seems like a lot of that stuff that happened at the end of 2019 kind of got, um, kind of smudged out. Like that's totally a word. And I'm not even going to fix it on the transcript, um, by what came immediately after and the, the stress and trials of that. I've been going through the, um, programming stuff for CIFWA's Nebula conference. And there are a lot of panel suggestions on creating while being under stress. It's like, Hmm, I wonder why this topic is on people's minds. 
and I won't go into another rant on Brandon Sanderson, but seeing how many writers, wonderful writers out there are suggesting topics like that just reinforces for me that someone being flip about making a joke about uh, people not being able to create during the pandemic is just that much more annoying. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'd have to go find that podcast because I'm not going to renew my rant. I have other things to rant about. Thank you. Uh, but no, I'm feeling good today. Um, dancing around, seeing the Bobcats, feeling pretty good. Um, feeling like I have a lot to do, but theoretically it's doable. <laughs> theoretically. Um, let's see. So... Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit more. I even made notes, sticky notes. Yeah. So I have to collect my thoughts. Collecting. I, I, I need like one of those Wayne's World moments. It's not a flashback. It's me collecting my thoughts. So I talked quite a bit yesterday about... Um, <clears throat> about the Jack Williamson lectureship and how much fun it was. One of the things that I don't think I really touched on, I sort of did tangentially, but I wanted to come back to it to talk about what makes panels at conferences really fun for, for the participants, for the writers. I think that it's, um, there is something indescribably wonderful about being able to have conversations with other writers in a way that we don't on our own. So this is something for all of you readers or aspiring writers out there for when you go to conferences and you feel like you you don't want to ask the stupid question, you know, and people always excuse it. You know, they're like, oh, well, can I ask a stupid question? And, and I really do strongly believe there's no such thing as a stupid question. I think that's just people being snotty who say that there are. Because how do you get your question answered unless you ask it? And, and yes, I have known people who are like, you should go out and do the research yourself. And they totally make that face and they use that voice. You should go out and do the research yourself. And discover the answer to the question like I did, which like, do you even know how they found out? They like happened to stumble upon it. We did get a question at one of the panels, um, somebody asking us about research and what was our, you know, did we prefer to ask people or, you know, Google or look stuff up? And I was totally on the side of, I want to ask people <laughs> because, you know, until we get better AI, the human brain is able to drill down to answer exactly the thing that you want. And Dorinda was talking about um, doing research for her sunshine books and, you know, like talking to sheriffs and they would say, well, this is how it would go down. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't have it go down that way because it won't work with the story. I want it to do this. How can, how can I make it do this and still be kind of close to real life? That's what you need people for. Um, asking questions of other people is a wonderful way to get information. 
And especially when you have the opportunity to ask other creators or ask authors you admire or what have you to answer a question that you might have, you know, that that's wonderful. And, and it prompts us to think about things in ways that we don't normally think about. You forget what people don't know, first of all, and the conversations that we have, just listening to how other writers answer the same question, um, is, I, I don't even know, I, I don't have the words. Uh, it's um, transcendent. Is that too strong of a word? It's just really um, so stimulating and it refills the well and it just makes me feel good. And there, I, I'm just going to come down on this full stop, you guys. Doing a panel in a room full of living, breathing human beings with other living, breathing human beings is just a thousand times better than the online panels. Uh, and I know I've complained about this before, but you know, doing those online panels where you're just looking at the other panelists and you don't have any sense of the audience at all. You can't see who's asking questions. You don't have that, that energy in the room. It's a real thing. You guys, if we have learned nothing else from this whole zoom catastrophe, there, I coined the word. It's probably a terrible word. It won't last. Stop trying to make fetch happen. We learned anything from this whole Zoom catastrophe. It's that that Zoom interaction doesn't uh, replace human interaction. So I just wanted to emphasize that um, how great it is. If you are putting together a conference, if you are attending a conference, being on a panel with other writers who have interesting things to say is. Um, is the best. It's awesome. And it's, it's always been from the very beginning of my writing career, one of my favorite things. And it continues to be one of my favorite things. There is something about that, um, about that conversation, about having, observing how other people make things happen. That is endlessly fascinating. Uh, David and I have been watching um, let me get the exact title. So it's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And I will link to it in the show notes. It's on HBO Max, which is, I think, funny. It's like the only HBO there is now. But like they had HBO and then they added HBO Max. And I don't know if I was like not the only one who was really pissed that they wanted me to pay for two channels, but they merged them. So it's called HBO Max now, but it's um, HBO, right? So it's um, a series on HBO Max. <laughs> Sorry, I already told you that. And it's uh, about exactly what the title says. It takes place in like starting in 79, I think, with the purchase of the Lakers by a businessman I'd never heard of, but who used to live in Kimmerer, Wyoming, of all places, um, played by John C. Riley, who is amazing. Um, Jason Siegel is in it. And it's about how they sort of, I 
so much stuff I didn't know, even though I lived through this era about like that NBA uh, basketball was not bringing in the money. It wasn't popular. They, I don't know if I can even describe, you know, they're talking about Magic Johnson's in it <clears throat> and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And they're just talking about how they transformed this money pit into a money-making enterprise and the creativity that went into it. And I think that's the kind of thing. It's a good show for us because David likes basketball stuff. It's very witty. It's really cleverly done. Uh, a lot of good people working on it, um, like Jonah Hill. Let's see, I could tell you like some of the... John C. Riley. Oh, he's a star. Star. I know Jonah Hill, Adam McKay is like one of the directors. Uh, some of these other names, I don't know people more savvy than I might, but it's, um, they're, they're delving into the racism of the era in really interesting, entertaining ways. Uh, the development of, I didn't realize that the Lakers were the one to create the whole, um, the Lakers girls, the, the sexy dancing girls as cheerleaders. It's, it's just fabulous, you guys. And it's, I think, endlessly inspiring to see how people do things, how people created things and overcome things. And that comes back to listening to people talk on the panels and talk about one of my favorite questions to ask other authors is to talk about a time when they had to reinvent themselves because everybody has had it. You, it's a treasure rich question because Every single creator out there has had to reinvent invent themselves and reinvent their career at some point. And hearing what happened and why they had to do it, it's um, really just uh, so enriching, stimulating. So this is I'm I'm sort of bouncing all over the place this morning, dancing right. Uh, I won't sing tempting though it may be one of the gals I got to know at the lectureship is um, Mary Ayala who is the Dean of Arts and Sciences at Eastern New Mexico University and she sat right by us at dinner that first night and she is um, you know like my age Dorinda's age and super smart I mean obviously she has to be in order to be Dean of a college and we just had a lot of fun talking. And then the next day I saw her and she, she stopped, we were walking from like one building to another and she was coming towards us and she stopped. I was walking with Dorinda and she stopped us and she said, I just wanted to tell you guys how much fun I had talking to you last night. She said, it was just like a breath of fresh air. I think this is how we all felt. That was just like, we could finally take in some fresh air and talk to people we didn't already know in person. <laughs> uh, and she was just, she said, I just feel so, I woke up this morning just feeling tons lighter and feeling excited about things again. And she even decided at that point she had been headed somewhere else. And she said, you know what? I'm just going to run this errand later. I'm going to come sit with you guys and talk some more. It's just delightful. 
so I know I'm sort of going in circles here, but I think we can't underestimate the, the stimulation that that kind of thing provides us and what we can learn from other people and from what they've struggled to create and do. So, and I know I had another, oh, I also finished watching last night Severance. You guys been watching Severance? This is on Apple. Um, hold on. So yeah, it's on Apple TV. And if you, um, if you couldn't watch Ted Lasso, mother, then you can't watch this, <laughs> but I don't know that you and would like it anyway. It's dark. It's very dark and unsettling. In fact, we watched, I don't know, one or two episodes and David bailed on it because he said, this is kind of depressing. He's more sensitive to depressing stuff these days. And I was like, yeah, it is kind of depressing, but it was also fucking fascinating. <laughs> uh, it's Adam Scott and directed by Ben Stiller of all people. Ben Stiller, who is like coming back to dark in his old age. David was telling me that Ben Stiller, when he was in like film school, uh, got kicked out of class for writing a screenplay that the professor said was so unsettling that they wouldn't show it to anyone. So now like maybe he's sort of coming into his own. This is also cool, right? You know, where people are in their careers and you kind of get to that fuck it point of your career. Sorry, I should have like warn people that this is the four letter word episode, but it's on brand here at first cup of coffee, right? You reach this point in your career where you just want to do the stuff you want to do. And and you don't care if anybody else thinks that you should be doing it or wanting you to go back to doing Zoolander or whatever. Uh, so severance, the premise is that people have a chip embedded in their brains that divides their memory so that when they're out living their lives, they don't know what their work is. And then when they go to work, they ride in an elevator and this circuit, they make it be like a little sound, which they then use to really good effect later for disconnects with reality. But then it clicks out and it blocks out all their memories of who they are outside that place. And they are only awake and alert in their office world so that it's, it's the ultimate work-life separation, right? And which is how it's built. But then it's, it's creepy because the people who live inside the office building who only have their lives as workers, they, that's all they have, right? They don't know anything else. And this pro affects them profoundly. And so the, the final episode of the um, first season came out last week and I wasn't able to watch it because I was out of town, but I watched it last night and David was cooking dinner and we sort of have that open plan open to the kitchen there, the pass through. And he was like, why do they keep playing that really ominous, creepy music? And I'm like, because there are ominous and fucking creepy things happening. <laughs> um, I was, I did not expect the revelations in that final episode. I knew that there were going to be questions answered. And I, of course, not all, not all completely answered. There is a season two, but you know, 
there's a lot of times with shows like this where they set out with this premise that creates a lot of mystery and paradox and you really want to know the answers and then by the end they fail to satisfy that it's like they they're really good at setting up the question but not so good at the answer and this final episode was just amazing uh yeah so we could talk about severance so let's see um I think I'll call that good. I'm thinking about setting up a discord channel for conversations where we can have like spoiler conversations about books and stuff, maybe through a Patreon or something. Um, let me know what you think about that. And let's see, I will talk to you all. I'm flying out of town on Thursday, but not till later in the morning. So yeah, I think I'll talk to you all on Thursday. You all take care. Bye-bye.